How many of us out there struggle with perfectionism? Not a clinical, it-consumes-my-life perfectionism, but just a nagging feeling that you have to be better when you're doing a specific task. I know when I mess up on a project, even if it's just for fun, I beat myself up relentlessly. Does that sound familiar? Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Jordan Wilshire. Jordan has been coaching for going on 12 years now and frequently sees clients who struggle to find their way or can't seem to find a good balance between their results and their aspirations. Let's figure ourselves out so we can find a way to climb higher. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan Wilshire. Hey, hello. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for being on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself for the people listening? Sure. Um, so my name's Jordan Wilshire. Um, I'm a high performance coach, and my specialism, I guess, is that I work with millennials, um, purely to help them holistically, but also to effectively help them with their mindset and their career performance a lot of people come to me wanting to have that higher impact as and naturally the income and the responsibility that comes with it so it's very nice it's very nice for me to see people go on to achieve that it's great yeah that's awesome so why get into this career like what drew you into this yeah um Coaching's kind of always been part of my backstory, right since I started, probably 16 years old, in the sense that it's the idea of helping others that really appealed. Coaching as my profession kind of almost happened authentically and naturally, in the sense that I'm a little bit more, I guess, introverted. And so it kind of became a lot of people to start talking to me about whatever concerns they may have. So I woke up one day and thought, oh, I have a knack for this. Um, I seem to be given decent advice. Um, so I thought, okay, let's see how I can build from here. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that's that's really cool to see something just like kind of evolve naturally. You're like, oh, I'm doing a lot of this. Is this a thing that I can do like, career-wise? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it almost happened by accident. And I think that's sometimes where the best inspiration comes from in terms of actually working out, okay, what are your strengths? Working at that out and realizing, oh, I already, 80% of my life is listening to people and trying to give them solutions already. So it's a case of, okay, let's build my career around it. Let's have some fun. Yeah, it's a little little self-introspection. Look at what you're already doing, what you're good at, and what people you know want from you. And you're like, I could design around this for sure. Yeah, yeah, honestly, that's it. Such a great template. I recommend it to anyone. Yeah, awesome. So what is high-performance coaching? Good question. Um, high-performance for me, there's different definitions of it. You do have that level of like high-slash-elite performance where you think of your elite sport teams, you think of the grind, daily grind of trying to be the best person you can be, do the 1% and things like that. Um, and high performance does come into that 
in the sense that those elements are involved. For me, it very much is holistic. So what does high performance look like across all areas of your life rather than just one? Although I do focus on careers mainly. From there, it becomes highly, highly personal to that person. And that's where my programs are mainly based around is really delving deep into the personal ambitions of that person um, and what high performance would mean to them and what high performance looks like to them and me just guiding and pushing them along the way. No, that makes sense. I think when people think of coaching, they're like, okay, it's a very specific kind of coaching. Like my brain immediately goes to like sports coaching. Yeah. Like, oh, you literally call them coach. But you know, as you said, you can apply it to a lot of areas of your life. And yeah. kind of giving it that high performance tag just means like, let's try and amplify this to the best version it can be. So you 100%. get the most out of it. Yeah. yeah, genuinely, that's where I talked about it before, like higher impact, right? Um, I did actually start in sports coaching. Um, and for that reason, I've picked up a lot of lessons from there. But you definitely have more scope to have that higher level of impact or in the case you go online to coach rather than just with your sports team i guess well yeah and it allows you to kind of work with like okay we need to work on your individual skills and not just your team-based skills yeah exactly um it, it allows you to develop both which sometimes in in businesses and certainly when people come to me when my clients come to me it is a case of Oh, Jordan, um, I'm really, 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 really stressed. <laughs> it's mainly the first thing they say. Um, and I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. And normally it's a case of they really want to progress their career. And it's really interesting, like almost like since pre-pandemic, I guess, there's almost that expectation for businesses to offer that holistic package. It's like you have to be my inspiration you have to follow my values you have to follow my ethos you have to be my therapy sometimes and it's a case of it's it's a lot for organizations i guess to take and it's almost not realistic and so a lot of people do come to me because they have that feeling of i really really want this development but my organization is not providing it how can i get it and that's where the fun begins for me. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting that people are like, you know, looking for ways to improve their career self outside yeah. of literally inside of their career hours. Yeah. It's it's a funny it's a funny little paradigm in the sense that it's important to find that balance naturally, of course. Um but with the full time jobs, it is the case of if you want if you do want to build either something different or you want to advance your career, at least in the initial stages, you have to put in you have to put in the effort and the ones that do become successful with me put in not not a lot of time each night, but they are consistent in the time they put in and they get the results because of that. Yeah, I think that's very much like a mindset that a lot of people have. And I think it was probably well-founded for at least some period of time, but people are like, oh, well, I'm at work from nine to five. So if I'm going to get yeah. better at my work skills, it's going to be between the hours of nine and five. And five. Yeah. 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 It really was, especially like previous kind of generation and 
where I find millennials most interesting because I am one myself is reflecting on my own kind of struggles. Initially, when I started my career graduating from uni, it was a case of I was expecting this kind of thing that I'm, I was saying before, new organization is going to develop me, is going to invest in my career, is going to take me to this place, that place. And then didn't happen. <laughs> didn't happen. And it was a crushing blow to start with. And to pick yourself back up from that is not easy to do on your own. You definitely do need help and mentors around you. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, as we're young, we get into the career and we're like, oh, well, they're going to give me everything that I need in order to become the CEO one day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that's 100% not true. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's like one of the best experiences I kind of had or experiences, I should say, stories was from somebody that I knew from my uni and said they were going to be a head teacher by the age of 26. And I was like, okay, it's not impossible. However, think of the barriers, you know, that are in place. You have to, you know, get into a school first and foremost. You have to qualify. You have to do your extracurricular activities. You have to be head of house. You have to be all sort of different things before you get to that level. Well, yeah, and they're like not taking into account all the people they're competing with to yeah. get that kind of job. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Like there was a frightening statistic in the uk at least about a couple years ago now i can't remember what year it was 20 2012 i think it was where in the sense that thirty thousand graduates graduated but i know 300,000 sorry 300,000 graduates graduated for only 30,000 graduate jobs wow and that is a that's a record that i say 2012 if you go towards present day that's we're talking 10 years ago you've almost got that accentuated by the pandemic as well so there's more people looking to expand rather than the actual jobs that are there yeah very interesting well and they're like look we don't need you know 50 ceos to join the company this year we yeah need 49 people who are interested in just doing the job we advertised for and one person who's willing to do some work to get better. Yeah, and, and it's very interesting when you talk about the entry-level roles now in the sense that you, for, for me growing up, it still was at the time, like entry levels were entry level in the sense that you wanted to start in a career. Um, say I took my coach into IT from my own personal story like that. That entry level for me was great to just gain that IT experience, but the majority of fields do require like a master's or something like that and experience already in the field for an entry level position. So it's definitely, especially for graduates, it's on your own, do, navigating that field is very tricky. I did wish I had someone at that time. Well, and I think that like it kind of breaks down into when you're going to get the job like you need a certain level yeah. of coaching even for that because there's like a whole interview process for most of these places yes yeah and if, if you don't interview well like you're not getting any job yeah exactly like I've, I've been really fortunate in the sense that i with the company i was with i was able to do interviews so i was interviewing entry-level people trying to enter through and it genuinely is like and 10 seconds 
I probably done over maybe 50 interviews within 10 seconds. I, my gut instinct said yes or no. And I'd probably say about 80% of my gut instinct would turned out to be correct. So it's, it genuinely is all about how you can come across as that, that authentic kind of person. And that does come from having done the work to understand who you are as that person. Yeah, that's true. Do you think there is like some kind of a preconceived notion or a general image about millennials that like leans into why we all need as millennials myself, um, yeah. why we need so much like work on ourselves? It is, it is kind of very interesting. And definitely in the experiences I've had working with millennials, it definitely has had an impact in the terms of jobs people will actually stay for in the sense that when people have come to me, they've come at a stage initially where they've probably job hopped quite a lot. And I always thought um, when I started looking into this millennial space properly, I thought, nah, that's a, uh, that's like a preconceived, <laughs> that's just, that can't be true. Um, just propaganda. But genuinely in my experience, it did have that kind of lens on if you're not happy, the narrative the, that was in society, especially now, if you're not happy, you can change that. You deserve this. You deserve that. And I think especially for our generation, they've had a lot of that kind of messaging from childhood, essentially. So it it's great, really great in terms of if you can go through and rise up and then meet that narrative. Um, what I have found is resilience is low the minute and to be honest even myself when i had my first setback it hit me like a brick wall i don't know about yourself oh for sure yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah my first graduate job just out of uni was over in seven weeks and that was a sudden i was going like ascending up like doing well in grades, went abroad for my placement, got my degree, got into the graduate jobs. I was like, okay, I'm steadily moving up, steadily moving up, steadily moving up, bam. Whole thing came crumbling down. And you learn a lot about, I guess, yourself in that regard. And especially for millennials, I think, I think everyone's had that moment. <laughs> it literally to start with, it is a case of who do you turn to and back out of that and go again to put yourself in that space again to progress because ultimately any progress is through struggle well i think uh, like i still go through it um same <laughs> you know be totally honest about that like i yeah. still go through that struggle anytime i hit like you know something has turned from super positive into like even just neutral i'm yeah. like this was going so well what happened and, yeah. you know, I've talked to people and they're like, well, it's not like it's not going well. Like you're still doing well. You're just not doing as well as you were. And yeah. now you're like upset by the momentum loss. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Like the momentum loss is kind of real, I think, in the sense that it's a form of perfectionism that I think a lot of definitely millennials kind of have, myself included. Oh, um, me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In the sense that, yeah, it. You read everyone seems to have this like narrative growing up as millennials that you can do this, you can do that. 
you just have to work for it and yeah it it can hit you hard if you don't have the, the mental framework to bounce back yeah i mean it's one of those that like you know if you sit and think about it like that's what i always do just take a take a breath think about yeah. it logically and it's one of those like if you continued to move up at whatever like sharp increase you were going up at you know you'd be at the top in a the, like the shortest amount of time that anyone's yeah. ever done it. it's kind of like going to that you know that head position yeah. by 26 <laughs> is it's like yeah you would get there if you were following the sharpest trajectory possible but yeah you have to learn to like curtail some of those expectations to be reasonable <laughs> yeah it really is that reasonable element of it like like this has been a journey to, to just to get to this point like i'd say i started at 16 that really 12 years ago now just to get to this point for me um and definitely it comes from definitely growing up and i think for millennials as well and gen z's while we're on the topic it is they've grown up with that age of the technology where you can get something instantly now and tangible things like your career you can suddenly just drop by it one day and find yourself in another job if you really look hard enough within a couple of days so it's a case of the patience to ride the storm I, I feel that's where millennials need the most help and that's definitely what i've had in experience with the clients so far yeah that's interesting because i never really thought about like you know we've gone through a lot i think as millennials like we were in that yeah. period of time where it's like technology was rapidly advancing yeah. The speed of the internet rapidly is advancing. Um, you know, like we're we were both getting used to those things and experiencing them for the first time. Yeah. But like you can't apply the speed at which you can gain information on the internet to how fast you're gonna grow in your career. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah, it's so true. Unless unless you're really, really fortunate with the mentors you have. Sure. Um that that's kind of the best lesson I guess I had in the sense that I was guided pretty well, but you also create those opportunities to be guided, in the sense that my first real mentor was was a soccer coach. He only became that because I attended his Saturday session, got to know him as a coach, got to know him as a person, kept going back, um, probably over a space of six months probably well actually six months to a, probably eight months where I was actually properly improving my skills with him as a soccer player don't know what he saw but he saw okay this guy could potentially coach so he started drip feeding parts of the session to me in the sense okay you can lead this se session and this part of the session like dribbling little Happy tappy stuff with four or five year olds was like the biggest thing in the world at the time. But it was a case of he was just drip feeding all of that. And it's only when you look back, you realize that your mentors are doing that because then you've done that for other people. Um, yeah, yeah, it was very cool in the sense that that particular mentor then put me in touch with a program really to improve education as well as my soccer skills. That ultimately led me to another mentor who then signposted me to the uni university course he did. And it's, that's kind of how it's happened in a sense, like I've just followed good advice. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, they're like, look, this is what worked for me. I recommend it. Here's how yeah. to like set you up for success. Yeah. Yeah. It's genuinely, yeah. Mentors and coaching has been a massive part of my life. And I suppose that's how you get better as well. And that's why I do it now is to help others do the same. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's kind of one of those where it's like, we're all either training in something or we are training someone else. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, you're always learning, I think, in a sense. And definitely the trends. I, I'd probably say it's as strong now, probably now post-pandemic as it's ever been, where you're still learning, but you're expected to, to produce results at the same time. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. And I wonder, you know, when we're talking about perfectionism, if that bleeds into each other, because mm -hmm. we're like, oh, well, we're expected to get results and we're expected to be doing the best we possibly can yeah do you think that bleeds into like why we have this perfectionism problem as we're like i have to be perfect in everything and that you know like probably slows us down too i, I think it does come from this narrative of you have to be the best you have to be one percent better than everybody else it, it comes from an elite sport um elite business you're tony robbins of this era you're other models, real models, I can't think of at the top of my head, but he was the one that stands out the most of the like almost like hyper masculine approach of if you don't do this today, then you'll never make it kind of thing. And it's definitely dripped into businesses. Um, I've definitely noticed that in my own experience where it's a case you have to maximize the resource of every single person, sometimes by any means necessary, which also on the flip side, still that perfectionism for that individual employee, that perfectionism can start to turn a bit toxic if you don't meet the high standard or the standards that the business has of you rather than this, the expectations of the targets you actually have. So it can, it can definitely, I've seen it turn toxic, definitely. I would say that's, you know, that's something I would wonder is like, has hearing all of this and being like, oh, well, it it does work on some level and it improves it increases your productivity yeah is that really bad to actually like a hundred percent embrace that because it has some pretty strong downsides if it goes wrong yeah yeah genuinely like some people that have come to me they've got into a position of stressed and overwhelmed because they've a hundred percent maxed out um going back to i guess my definition of the high performance as I see it, um, it is very much going 80-20 in a sense, okay, 80% of what you're doing, we want to essentially make that consistent, make it, that's your output, that is the benchmark. Um, the 20% of room is almost reframing that mistakes are part of growth because going back into perfectionism again, especially, especially for me, like I hated making mistakes. I absolutely hated it and genuinely my foundation my mental toolkit growing up post uni pre-pandemic was if I made a mistake completely beat myself up I'd compare to other people which always isn't nice but is easily done in the Instagram era we're in um it kills your confidence really um so that is essentially 
the challenge that millennials face now in the sense that it's hard enough sometimes competing against yourself when if you take one look onto your phone you might see a snap of somebody who's just got a promotion that snap of somebody in this xyz business that looks amazing <laughs> but yeah sometimes it's not as special as what instagram's making out yeah there's a uh a saying I've always loved when it came to like comparing your life to other people's, which was if the grass is always greener on the other side, it's probably fake. I've never heard that. That's that's quite cool. Yeah. I, I don't remember where I heard it, but I, I heard it and it like lodged deep into my brain so that I'll never forget it. And I was yeah. like, wow, that's a really good phrase that like no one's life is ever a hundred percent better than yours. A hundred percent of the time. Exactly. Like, if you're looking at it and you're like, man, literally everything we do is so wildly different and theirs is always a better version of it. Like there's probably yeah. some pretty hard staging going on as well. Yeah. It, yeah. You think how many filters there are on social media. It's very rare that people, I guess, unless like you say you're taking the lead to having the courage to post your authentic self. It is tricky for people for sure. Yeah, it's interesting the psychological impact that perfectionism and that social media comparison can have and high expectations can have on a person. But yeah, and that's, you know, kind of what you're saying, like that's a pretty weighted impact, I guess, on like your yeah. confidence, because like, your confidence yes. as a person yeah. like impacts everything from, you know, the interview, like you were saying, all the yeah. way up. How do you improve your confidence? Because that would be like that's a huge thing I think for everyone to take. Yeah, it 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 really is. Um, the best experience, if I speak about myself for a second, I've always had is creating an identity that matters to you, and with that identity, it can't just be something superficial. It has to come from within yourself of what you actually value and um, for me like one of the early values i had was authenticity being being able to just straight talk people and expect the same in return i was like okay that is something that i will model in my career because it matters to me more talking about what any other example of a value may be honesty, maybe attendance. Um, for me, I hate being late. One of the early coaches I had said, if you're on time, you're late, which I've always just had that lesson. Like, always just be there, prep your day, have a cup of tea, be completely calm before you start to begin your performance of the day. That's something that really mattered to me. So it is for people, I guess, to have a blank piece of paper, start with the prompts, probably even like what matters to me and um, what values do I hold as two general examples of prompts you can actually just start and just spend 10 minutes just writing. Sometimes you just write nonsense, to be honest, <laughs> like in a sense, like whatever just comes to your mind, genuinely just whack it down on the paper because you'll suddenly think 10 minutes i'm still going 
and you just carry on with that thread until your mind is empty. And then you look back at that mess of a paper you've just created and you start to, your your mind and your eyes start to focus on words. That is a sign that that word means something to you. So it's a case of for confidence, starting from there, you start to have these values that shape your actions. If you want to become this career-focused person, what is it that matters? What what does career-focused mean to you? That's a question I often ask quite a lot of my clients because it can mean very different things. Um, people get their confidence from having clarity over what they're aiming for. For example, one of the clients I had was all they wanted out of being a career-focused person was to travel. And before I started doing this, I hadn't even thought of it as it as intrinsically as that, as that you could have the best career in the world. But for him, the most important thing was having that career, having that impact, income, responsibility, higher levels, so he can travel. And I think that's where confidence can bleed into clarity. That's looking forward. And it's important to a degree you do that. Um, having that long-term vision, vision of turning your life into something I think is very powerful. Um, look back. Look back into your history because I've found through my coaching that confidence is contextual in the sense that you, you and me here, for instance, like we're effectively public speaking right now. We've done We've done this for... A long time and um, we're quite comfortable interacting and we're quite comfortable letting people hear us <laughs> that's where our confidence comes from because we've gone and done this kind of thing before whereas let's say somebody else uh, who's never done this before has no previous success that they can look back on so that's where i guess anxiety comes in initially so the coaching really helps impact that person to get over the first hurdles to start to build their confidence through having those experiences because that's where authentic confidence comes from yeah in my experience when it sounds like you know you kind of got to get everyone on a flat stable ground where you're yeah. like if you're not stable what you're doing where you are like you're not going to be doing well because not everyone like obviously us we can just kind of talk to anyone whenever, wherever, and we're yeah. fine with it. But a lot of people, like, that would be anxiety-inducing, especially if I yeah. put a microphone in front of their face. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it, it it genuinely is. Like, it's, even for me, like, when I first started, my first proper coaching session was on my own, was only with maybe six people um, in soccer coaching. And I, my overwhelm just went overboard in the sense that, I imagine the worst case scenario that they're going to hate me. My session's going to be very poor. <laughs> Is my ideas any good? I probably felt like that for like the first six months, to be honest, in the sense that I didn't have that bank of, okay, I've done this for a while now. I know, I know where success is and where I can get better. Yeah. Um, and even a, a common example, like driving, like, I hated driving for the first six months. 
absolutely hated it. And because I wasn't, if I was being really truthful with myself, I just wasn't confident I'd keep the car safe. Whereas, whereas now I've done it for, oh, well, almost every day. So it's that repetition of action builds that bank of success. And that's where authentic confidence can come from. Yeah. I mean, the driving just reminds me that like, I still hate driving, but not yeah. because I'm worried that I'm bad at it. It's because like I put in so much time that I know I'm good at it. And yeah. it's like, it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's very interesting that you say that because that's where people can in their careers. If we go back to that for a sec, it can stagnate because part one of my jobs before was learning and development. So I found that in organizations when I was doing my research for my onboarding and things like that, a person needs a change of stimulus environment or another word for environment stimulus every year for them to continually grow. And what I mean by that is that they can't say turn up at nine, do their job, go home at five. They can't, they can do that for a year, but after that, there's a there's a really popular saying in the sense that the opposite of happiness is boredom. And that is where people can start to become bored, where they've got over that confidence stage or pre-confidence stage, anxiety stage, and they can do the job. But now it the anxiety comes from, okay, where am I going? Well, yeah, and I guess doing that same grind where you're mm. constantly on the same thing, especially if you're in one of those jobs, which I think are very common, where it's like, yeah, this is exactly the entry level. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly what's expected of you. And we expect you to hit 100% on it every day. Like, whatever yeah. your best result is, that every day. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, you've trained that skill so hard and so long that, yeah, you're probably really good at it, but you yeah. also kind of grow to hate it because you're like, yes. I have to hit my full capacity every day without any other thought for development because mm. like, I have to put all of my energy and time into just this one aspect. Yeah, and it's it's definitely where I think millennials have that um, desire to grow. It's because of exactly what you just said, that expectation that you have to be on it 100% of the day just to hit your targets. Depending on the company, there is no room for that development unless you make room or you're solving a problem. That's that's one thing I work to identify with my clients is, okay, let's not think about hopping jobs for a second. Let's think, actually, have you made the most of the situation that you're in? Um, so two reasons why I focused on that. One's resilience. You at some point you have to go through the hard stuff you have to stay with a team i say team for business organizations um you have to stay and be a part of that team that goes through a stressful period and you have to learn your lessons and come out the other side because it's so valuable for your career and your confidence and your almost identity that you can go through these sort of things and recover and turn turn a ship around, as they say, because um, that's where some of the best innovations come from. Heated debates about where to take a business. 
And that's what I work on with the clients that I do have is, okay, we've done mindset work. Um, we've identified exactly kind of what limiting beliefs you've had previously, what your experiences are so far. How can we, going back to what we said right at the start, like how can how can we take your experience, um, your worldview, your values, and turn that into a leveraged career for yourself where you can create that impact, responsibility, and act and income that you that you want. And it does come from going through those tough times. Yeah, I mean, if you never go through any struggle. I mean, number one, again, you're going to find yourself incredibly bored because you've, you are, yeah, you're, you're stagnant. But also, you're not going to know how to handle things when they do suddenly mm. have a very big issue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even when you stay in that job and you do well and then you move up, sometimes, like if we're talking about ground level, entry level, um, you're just doing your, your job, you're just going for your KPIs and you go home. Next position up is helping others. It's an entirely different skill set. Where people have had that success in my experience is they've trained for that. Well, it's one of those like, you know, if an entry-level employee goes through an experience where half of the employees don't show up, yeah. like they, they kind of learn how their management handles it both good and bad yeah you take in that data even if you don't remember it much but you're like yeah. oh i was there for when this happened then you move up a level and suddenly that happens underneath you you're like oh i remember when this happened to me and now i have the experience to deal with it even though i didn't do anything <laughs> it's honestly so valuable and why learn from just your mistakes when you can learn from the mistakes of us it's so valuable to there's only what you only get one life right in a sense and you can't make it it's good to make mistakes for learning but definitely there's other people going through that same growth so going back to the idea of mentors and coaches people that have been there gone through the journey you're going on and can help you not to make the mistakes they made um it's comes full circle i guess yeah, it does. I mean, and luckily, as humans, we are capable of learning from each other's mistakes and yes. not just our own, which like yeah. helps us grow a lot. Yeah. So what kind of like what are the most common issues you'd say when people come to you and they're looking for, you know, how do I get better? How do I become better? Like what are their most common across the board? Like almost everyone has it. Every, almost everyone has some sort of anxiety. If I can say any kind of general statement, it is that they all have an anxiety of some kind in the sense that it's either I'm not good enough mentality conversation that is in their head or I think I'm doing this right, but please help me. The reassurance element of it um, is, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to for people, I guess, to deal with that on their own in the sense that anxiety can turn rapidly negative if left unchallenged. Yeah. Um, so people do come to me almost at the end point of that journey in the sense where it has been unchallenged for a while. Um, so 
where where people get the best results with me is they've they've got to that place and they've said enough's enough i'm going to move myself forward um i'm going to put the time in i'm going to invest in it and people that have invested in developing that skill set have impacted positively every other area of their life i mean you kind of have to get that put that work in to get through it because otherwise there is always going to be an anxiety whether it's a new job a new position in the job like a new just a new assignment in general like everything in life can give you anxiety (laughs) yeah it's so normal it is so normal like anxiety is an emotion right and emotions are so normal for people to have the only problem i say problem the only narrative that's out there is you can't sometimes you can see anxiety but most of the time you can't see the internal monologue that's going through someone's mind so it's about i guess learning how you what that means for you and a lot of my work comes from what it does that mean for you and that's where the personalized program element of it comes in because each person's way of dealing with anxiety and stress is completely different like when i first got into this um i was very much like i'm going to try everything and see what works i know for a fact like the coach i had at the time loved journaling was be completely religious on it to do it every morning and every evening i did do that um i did find benefit from it but i always dropped it eventually and it was more because i preferred to move um so a lot of my ways to calm anxiety was to walk and talk and i learned that about myself that actually it suits me to vent it out and walk at the same time like almost like exercising the mind and body of any kind of emotion that it holds whereas somebody else loves that journaling process of the introspective nature of dumping everything out on a piece of paper identifying themes and working backwards from a goal well and it's all like it it all falls under some form of introspection whether you're like you know you're physically either like i guess focused on what you're doing actively because if you just start you know exhausting your thoughts while you're on a walk like you're going to trip over something or walk exactly yeah so you got to be kind of careful there but uh i think that like doing the extra thing alongside it because i'm not a journaler either Um, i've had a lot of people tell me to journal and it's really it's a hard habit to start for me um Mm. but that's usually where i have most of my thoughts is i'm like i'm walking and thinking about it because i have to focus on more than one thing at a time yeah i'm I'm the same like i could genuinely have five very complex ideas going on in my mind at the same time about different things in every in career family and everything yeah exactly do you ever have people come in and whatever they're talking to you about whether it's like you know their relationship or the way they interact with people or their career where you're like hey this is bad for you and you should stop doing it yeah yeah it's yeah it's definitely um trying to think how to word this um there's definitely elements where i have to be quite firm which 
when when I was going through my training, um, the common narrative along among I say life coaching. I don't class myself as a life coach, but some of my learning came from that field. It was you're there to purely ask questions. You're not meant to get involved in the process, and sometimes you have to get involved in the process because that's what you're there for. In the sense that you're there to help to take that person. Coaching is taking that person from point A where they are right now to where they want to go. Point B, and really, like for example, we had one person who was quite confident on the outside, um, saying they were going to do this, saying they were going to do that. They're going to be this person. This is their ambition. This is what they want to do. But the actions didn't back it up. So every time that they, in I guess a kind word for it is failed, they'd go back to oh, but I really want to be doing this. I I want this is what I want to do. I want to be pushing forward with my goals on this, and then the same pattern will happen again. So there is a time where you have to almost jolt the person. If I go back to stimulus, if they get exposed to the same kind of stimulus. They're going to go through the same pattern. So, yeah, part of the coaching that I do go through sometimes is if I, if my instinct is telling me that person is causing damage from themselves in the long term, they come to me for a result, right? In the sense that they want to try and go from that point A to point B. So, that's my commitment to them. I've I've taken on this mission to help you be better in what you're wanting to do. It's purely my responsibility to be able to do that. And I think not approaching those situations head on can actually damage them in the long run. So it's, yeah, it's important to meet them where they are, for sure. Educate them where they where you can. But if they're still doing it, then call them out. <laughs> call them out and see how they react yeah keep a squirt gun on hand <laughs> every yeah. time they start start falling back into the old cycle you just spray them a little bit with cold water <laughs> exactly like and and two things will happen they'll positively thank you for it they they appreciate the prompt and then they get back to it or they continue going down that path which means that there's some barrier there that we've not identified yet so that's another opportunity for us to explore that and okay, because I go quite deep into this for a moment, like let's take that example again. That person almost given that bravado of I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that, but then not following up the actions comes from confidence, comes from the lack of confidence, lack of, I guess, exposure to tough situations. So when things don't go their way, it's very easy to say, oh, well, I'm going to be this person right there at the end of my goal, but they're missing the the small steps and the small coaching points that will take them just slightly more, just slightly more again. And that that's where I guess it really gets into the crux of it. It's kind of like people don't see the transformation from point A to B. They see yeah. like, oh, there's these two points. One day you are like, you are point A. Yeah. yeah, you're point A. You're an anxious person that has no self-confidence 
And then literally the next day, you're expected to be the person that's like, no anxiety, total confidence, top performer. And you're like, these things don't just like happen in a split second. Because that would be crazy if you watch someone yeah. like literally snap their fingers and turn into a new better person. It's yeah, it's um, there, there is some truth to it, um, in the sense that you want to, you want to model that. Going back to the, those values, you want to model that person, but it doesn't. You're right; it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's the daily actions or the consistent actions, I should say, that you take that help you, I guess, relax into that identity yeah i mean i think that's that's part of that like resilience that you were Mm. saying it's like you have to be resilient and stable enough to just make this your new thing like if you are only confident once in every 10 situations like well you're not being very confident yeah it's exactly calling out that kind of evidence to them in the sense that because whenever you look through the backstory of a person there's always going to be evidence both success and lows and there's going to be learnings from all of them so it's a case of when they come to me they have often compounded that initial stress and overwhelm even more by wanting success for themselves or they've accepted for months where they are and don't realize they're in a bind until they get to me so it's yeah that's where going back to i guess my own story that's where i thought okay i've been through that myself it's it was a horrible experience to go through alone um until i invested in a coach who really helped me with my confidence and that's how i kind of started my own journey of this really in the sense that it came from my own experience initially but actually what i could give to help others um, which is the experience of combining, okay, you want to be confident, you want to be less anxious, less stressed. Okay, but what are you pointing, where are you pointing that arrow? What's your vision? And tying the two together, that's kind of how I've arrived at this point. Yeah, and, and some of that has to be just helping people like minimize the daunting task ahead of them. Because when we do fail or, you know, we hit a roadblock and we start to look at these things like we blow them way out of proportion. Yes. It's, yeah. like, it's a monumental task. And you're like, this is the same task you did last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And it is very interesting in a sense. They have that like, catastrophizing nature where, where it comes like the stem of that is almost a lack of controlled focus. Um, Because if you think of the last time that you were controlled in your focus, you were picturing exactly what you needed to do for that task. And to be fair, you weren't even thinking about how you were going to do the task. You just executed the task. Didn't even have time to even contemplate any other realities. You just trusted your instinct and completed the task. And really, that is a case of a lot of people do have that single point of failure where they start catastrophizing everything. So where it comes from working with a coach like me, for instance, is, okay, how are we building that foundation to make sure you don't have a single point of failure, that actually you can come back again and again and again and again to really make that impact you really want? 
Well, I think that's that's a great thing to leave people on. I have appreciated this immensely. It's been a great chat. It's it's like, been great. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, this has been awesome. I wanted to give you some time to kind of plug where people can find you and the things you do. Yeah, sure. Um, so I kind of have like two things going right now in the sense that most people can find me at just jordanwilshire.com. What I have at the minute is I have jordanwilshire.com forward slash freebie. Um, because a lot of the initial conversation that we've been having is about putting clarity into your actions going forward. And a lot of that comes from your systems. So there I've designed a free book that can help people on that journey and what that may mean to them. Um, so if they go to jordanwilshire.com forward slash freebie, they're able to enter in their name and email and they're able to download that link. And then what I'll do is I'll then send an email to them, start to introduce that relationship to them. Alternatively, you can go straight to jordanwilshire.com and there will be the program that I have. It's called Personalized Peak Performance Blueprint. Too many P's in there. for career-focused millennials. They're able to book in a call a discovery call like we're just having a conversation at that point there's no fixed thing um we're just seeing if we're a good fit for each other and at the very least you'll leave that session with some sort of value some sort of clarity for the people that really decide yes this is this works for me and i also decide that this works for me then we can go into the next session which is like a proper breakthrough where we really make it personal we get intimate in that sense um so that's where you can find me well thank you again for being on the show this has been awesome yeah I, I, honestly yeah i'd love to do it again it was great thank you for listening to another episode of the just dumb enough podcast please do go back and listen to that one year episode if you haven't already it's the last time i'll bring it up i'd really like to hear feedback on the ideas also, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes or Spotify or Audible. The only way to help the show grow is to get new reviews and new listeners, and you can do your part in that by telling other people that you know you enjoy this podcast. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. To reach out to me, email dumbenoughpodcast@gmail.com. gmail.com or send a message to any of the show pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else you find us. The October rankings are all out of whack because it's a brand new month, but here we go. Number one, the United States, making up only 35% of the audience, with California and Wisconsin as the top states. Number two, Spain. Welcome to the top, Spain. Hopefully you keep growing in listeners and stay up here. Number three, Australia, with New South Wales tied for first with South Australia. Number four, Iran. And number five, Myanmar. This list is certainly shaken up by the way that monthly statistics reset, but maybe this will put more pressure on those who used to be in the top five. That's all for now. I'll see you all Thursday for a somewhat grim inspiration to live your life right now. Bye bye <laughs>